Live from the fish tank, it's your host Ronnie with the second installment of Basketball Positional Power Rankings. This time we are talking forwards. So last episode we talked about centers. This episode we are talking about forwards, obviously. Um, There is admittedly going to be um, some overlap here. Because there is a decent amount of people who have power forward eligibility and center eligibility. Uh, that's why a certain team will be kind of near the top of this list. But I think there's enough difference between the last list and this list that it'll be kind of fun. It'll be new. Um, obviously, I'm going to try not to, to touch on um, the overlap too, too much. You're trying to, you know give spotlight to the guys who are ranked or who have different positional eligibilities i should say so we'll start from the bottom as always and down here at the bottom we have spencer who does not have a single forward eligible player in the top 150 for my rankings where i took three different dynasty lists and averaged them out um yeah the best player he has was has forward eligibility at this point Apparently, it's Max Struss, who is, you know, a fine player. Um, he's rosterable, but behind him, there's AJ Griffin, Jared Vanderbilt, uh, Kamara, Kyle Anderson, and Xavier Tillman. Um, three of those guys are outside the top 200. All of them are outside the top 160. So, uh, yeah, there's. There's there's youth there, kind of. That's that's the positive thing I have uh, to to say about that. For the next team up, Spencer's in his own tier, by the way, because it's it's just kind of that bad. Uh, the next team is also in their own tier, and uh, it's me. It's the Blue Water Walleye. Um, what we do have that Spencer doesn't is a top one hundred fifty player. In fact, this guy is fringe top 100. He is top 100 on two lists, outside of it on the third. And that player is Denny Avdia. How about that? He's actually kind of good after all. Hmm. Who could have thought? Uh, but there's a reason why he's my best and why I'm outside the top, or why I'm in 13th here, second from last. So I can't, uh, can't crow on that too much. But behind Denny, I have some okay, uninspiring depth. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, uh, actually, is apparently my second most valuable one. Um, His minutes have really gone down since Draymond Green came back. So he has shown a lot when he has played. Uh, It's just a matter of him getting more minutes. And obviously, uh, getting the young players more minutes has not always agreed with Steve Kerr's coaching philosophy. Um, So you kind of have to wait for injuries for Trace to get more more game time. But... I'm generally optimistic about him. Not that he'll be a star, but I think he could be a usable, rosterable player in the future. So don't mind having that. He, Him and Isaiah Stewart are pretty close in value. I personally would have Stewart above. TJD, just for you know immediate playing time certainty. There's less uncertainty about his whole situation. Um, but those are your second and third best forwards. It's probably not great. Um, Paul Reed comes in after that, also top 200. Um, obviously, I'm a bit of a Paul Reed guy myself. 
Um, he's backing up Joel Embiid, which is really doing a number on his his value in his minutes. But when he does play, he's one of the best permanent players at the forward position, even though he should be a center. I don't know why ESPN has him only at power forward. He should be a center. But that's beside the point. Um, very good steals and blocks guy, good rebounder. Uh, Noah Clowney is on here too. He's young. He's very much available in trade, <laughs> but he's on there. What I do have at forward though is, we'll call it experience, but this these lists will call it age. Uh, Bojan and Clay also pretty good contributors for the now, but dynasty wise, eh, not so great. So there's not really a ton. Of, there's not really any high end talent here, but the depth is meh. Above me is going to be Barry in his own tier. By the way, he's not in the tier with me, but he's not also not in the tier with anybody else. Um, he's very kind of, obviously, as you heard last episode, he has Joel Embiid. That's great. As you'll hear in the next episode, he's got a lot of pretty good guards too. But what he doesn't really have is a ton of great forwards. Chrisatz Porzingis, obviously very talented player. He's top 50. Outside the top, there's only two other top 100s on this team, though. And other teams just have a little bit more depth at the high-end level. So behind Porzingis is Asar Thompson, who is barely top 60. I don't know if I would have him top 60 on here quite yet. I'm showing a lot of flashes early on when his minutes were high. But the offensive game is pretty rough. The passing isn't as good as maybe we expected to be right from the jump. And my goodness, I don't think I've seen a worse jump shot in the NBA. I mean, I don't watch a ton of basketball, but I watch a lot of Pistons basketball. And I've seen a lot of bad basketball because of that. I don't recall seeing a guy who shoots like 15% from three, where if he even hits the rim, it feels like a good outcome because he completely misses the rim way more than any NBA player should. But if you're not shooting threes... He's very good defensively. He's still young. He's still inexperienced, but the talent is clearly there on that end of the ball. And the motor is certainly there, and that really helps the rebounding. So if he plays a lot, he's going to run into some rebounds. He's going to run into some stocks. But if he can really, if he can even shoot like 30% from three at some point, and he really, really focuses on taking all of his shots at the rim where he can use his incredible athleticism, Hey, yeah, absolutely would be a top 50 player. But we're, we got a lot of development to go to get there for now. Behind him, barely in the top, or not barely, within the top 100, kind of near the bottom of the top 100, is Jeremy Sohan playing much better lately since moving away from point guard back to power forward where he probably should be. Uh, he's a unique player. Um Handles the ball decently well for power forward, which is why he was playing with a little point guard earlier. Um, pretty good defender, rebounds pretty well. So he's an interesting player for sure. Also here is Jonathan Kaminga, getting some more run lately and putting up some good numbers lately for the Warriors. Another guy who is very athletic. Barry seems to really like at the forward position. Says athletic players who can't really shoot very well. He's got Asar, he's got Sohan, he's got Kaminga. And that seems to keep tracking there. So, uh, you know, obviously Kaminga has a lot of draft pedigree, as does Asar Thompson. Uh, I do think Kaminga is set up to have a pretty good career. Uh, we'll see if it comes in Golden State or if maybe he's part of the next 
you know, era of Golden State basketball. I don't know how successful they'll be, mainly because it's really hard to replicate what they've done. It's basically impossible to replicate what they have done. But there's clearly a lot of potential there. I think he's a better shooter than Sohan or Asar, or at least has the potential to be. Uh, also, outside the top 100 is R.J. Barrett. Obviously a player I don't necessarily love, but a player who, to say the least, uh, but a player who has been playing better since going to Toronto. He's been much more efficient offensively. Uh, if he can consistently rebound, I think that really helps his floor. But by and large, at least with the Knicks, he was a very inefficient shooter, and the free throw percentage wasn't quite there for someone who has the volume that he he did as a, a jump shooter. So the efficiency is, is key there, because by and large, he's probably not bringing a lot of stocks the rebounds can kind of fluctuate a little bit. He's not much of a playmaker. You really have him for his scoring. So when he's efficient, he's pretty good. When he's not efficient, he's not. But like I said, he's been much better in Toronto. So hopefully for his sake, he can uh, utilize that and really kind of get closer to the potential that people thought he had when he came out of Duke. Also here, Bruce Brown, former Piston. Really like Bruce Brown, very versatile game. He's not going to score a lot, but he's going to rebound well for a guard, even though he has some small forward eligibility, which is why he's here. Um, pretty good defender, too, on ball. Got Malik Monk, who is a pretty good shooter here. Also top 150. Gigi Jackson outside, the t- outside of the top 150, but he's very young. Um, I can't say I know too, too much about his game, but there are people who really like him, and there's people who maybe think he's overvalued. So, bit of a mixed bag there and when he ends up where he does on my list there's a lot of volatility there there's between the three lists i used um the highest list and the lowest list has like a 90 spot (laughs) variation in where he's ranked so yeah i think that kind of describes his his value here depending on who you ask it's it's pretty good or it's not really that great and rounding up this list we have moses moody um he's a decent role player for Golden State when he does play, but he doesn't really play a lot. And perhaps there's questions about the overall ceiling there, but he's a pretty good shooter. He tends to be able to move the ball decently well, so I think he's definitely rosterable for sure. Uh, next up here in the, the fourth tier from the bottom, out of a total of seven tiers <laughs> in this list, um, this will be a tier of four teams. So we're going to have Ryan here. Headlined by Desmond Bain, who is, if we were doing, if we were factoring in contracts to this list, which I'm not, because let's be honest, factoring in contracts just seems like this turns it into like an actual job as opposed to just some fun. And you guys don't pay me enough to do that. So we're going to just do in a vacuum, just value based on how you play, not your contract. But Desmond Bain's contract is one of the top five best in all of DSAC. I'm not even going to try to, to think of four other or five others I would rather have because it's just not the case. Spain is a top five contract, I think, in this league for being a top 35 asset on a second round rookie salary. Incredible value. Um, also, you have Pascal Siakam fits in here just out to the top 50. So uh, that's kind of why he's in the tier above there because Bain over Przingis for sure. Siakam over Asar for sure. And while Barry has a little bit better depth with Sohan, with Kuminga, and with Barrett, Bay, Wiggins, 
um, the the Mavericks, Jay Green. I think it's Josh Green. Jalen Smith has played decently well lately. I just think Ryan has a little bit more at the very top, even though Barry has a little bit better in the middle. But I think Bain and Siakam are a pretty, really, really good duo at forward. Uh, just ahead of Ryan is going to be Ahmed. So Ahmed has Sabonis, who is ahead of Bain, because Sabonis is like a triple-double threat almost every night. We're going to put him above Ryan, mainly because of that. But OG Ananobi is not too far off from Siakam. Obviously, Siakam's better. But OG keeps at least kind of close. But what Ahmed has is DeMar DeRozan, Austin Reeves, Cameron Johnson, Herb Jones. Like the depth, he has like the depth kind of like what Barry has. But with better high end than Ryan. So that's why Ahmed's there. Um, also kind of at the bottom too, you have Hartenstein again, who is, as I mentioned in the center episode, Really good for the now, but obviously long-term future when Mitch Robinson is back. Eh, who really knows? Ping has the second-best team in this tier of four, but he also has the most volatility here because he is headlined by Zion. He's got Brandon Ingram. He's got Kawhi. He's got LeBron. He's got Trey Murphy the third. Outside of Trey Murphy, there's a lot of injury issues, Old issues or both. So when Zion, Ingram, Kawhi, and LeBron all play, that's really good. That is a, a quartet that can win ping a lot of matchups and make him really dangerous come playoff time. But getting all four of them on the court at the same time is kind of an issue. That's kind of why ping's team has generally underachieved uh, on the whole over the course of his involvement in the league and also potentially why he's due for a big playoff run. You know, eventually you got to get some good luck there, even if it's kind of hard to get all four of them healthy at the same time. But obviously Zion, when he is on, is a force. Um, very few players can do what he can do in terms of athleticism, efficient scoring, rebounding, making decent plays with assist numbers. He's a really talented player. Obviously Brandon Ingram, also pretty good. A little more well-rounded, a little more jump shooting than what Zion has. Kawhi Leonard. Um, I, I think he's the best small forward on the player radar right now. But he's at 63 on my list. Um, Ingram is just outside the top 50. Zion is just outside the top 30. But Kawhi is incredibly talented. I think 63 is probably a little bit low for Kawhi, for what it's worth. LeBron just outside the top 80. Um, he's still playing at an incredibly high level, but at some point, Father Time has to catch up to him, right? Yeah, either way. Uh, Trey Murphy is right there with LeBron, too. And then Dante DiVincenzo, Bobby Portis. Pretty good depth. Those are your sixth and seventh forward eligibles. It's, it's really not that bad. So, Pink doesn't have a Sabonis, but he does have really, really good depth here. Um, Paolo is going to be just ahead of Ping because Paolo has Towns and Ping, Ping doesn't. So while Ping does have, you know, Kawhi, LeBron, um, Paolo, after Carol Anthony Towns, has Jabari Smith, who has honestly been better than I realized this year. You know, fringe top 50 asset, kind of similar to Ingram. So Towns over Zion, Jabari over Ingram per my list. 
And then Julius Randle's really not that bad either. Um, Hunter Hart, Vince Williams, Lou Dort, Jet Howard, and Marvin Bagley rounding out his four group. Obviously, after Randle, there's a pretty big fall off there. But I think it's pretty similar enough to Ping. And I like Towns, the floor of Towns, better than Zion's low floor. So I would put Paolo just above Ping. But I think Paolo, Ping, Ahmed, and Ryan are all in a pretty similar grouping for me. The tier ahead of them, though, is going to have Nathan at the bottom of this tier, um, headlined by Paolo and by Laurie Markkinen. So Paolo Bancaro, top 20 asset, Laurie Markkinen, top 30 asset. That's the best duo we've seen so far. Um, and when you pair them with Nikola Jokic, who Nathan also has, that's a really good trio to build around. I think if Nathan plays his cards right and he makes a couple good rookie draft picks, I think Nathan could you know, be a playoff contender here in the near future. Water break. Sorry about that. Um, beyond that, you have Taylor Hendricks, good young player. Uh, he could really have some upside. That if, if he can develop and push his way into the top 75 from just outside the top 100 where he is now, I think that adds another dynamic to Nathan's team. Um, Jared McDaniels is a pretty quality role player. Peyton Watson... Kelly Oubre, Tamaro Jr., Osman Diang, Matisse Thybul, Jonathan Isaac. Nothing really special beyond McDaniels. But Paolo and Laurie, that's a really, really good duo. There's a lot to build off there. And then Keefe in the same tier here because Keefe has better depth and he does have Scotty Barnes up top. But I think the combo of Paolo and Laurie is better than Barnes and Vassell. And while Keefe behind Barnes and Vassell has Okongu, Giddy. Miles Bridges, um, Michael Porter Jr., Terry Eason, P.J. Washington, Jeremy Grant, Ben Simmons. Um, clearly some some really good depth there. I mean, Keefe has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven top 100 forward eligibles here, whereas Nathan only has the two. Um, but Keefe, obviously, ahead of Nathan for that reason. Um, but Scotty Barnes, fringe top 10 asset here. He's better than Paolo. Scotty Barnes has had himself a hell of a year so far. I think he's really proven to be right up there in the discussion with Cade to be the top pick in a redraft. I still like Cade a little more, even if Scotty has a bit more dynasty value. But I'm biased as a Pistons fan. But that's, that doesn't change the fact that Scotty Barnes has been incredibly valuable this year, doing it in all the categories. He's he's a special talent. When you factor in Devin Vassell's stability, not a ton of ceiling with Vassell, but you know what you're going to get on a game-by-game basis, and that's very key. Okongwu still has some more upside, especially if Capella ever leaves Atlanta. Um, Josh Giddy and Miles Bridges. Um, Keith loves his distressed assets. We'll put, put it that way. Um, Michael Porter Jr., Terry Eason, both young and has some upside. Uh, there's certainly you know a lot to like about Keith's team. The only real issue is that Barnes is kind of like his only high-end talent, and everything else is kind of just pretty good depth. But that's enough to put him ahead of Nathan in the top of Tier 3. Tier 2 also has two teams, and Mike is going to be the first team we talk about here. Jaron Jackson qualifies here again, top 20 asset. Franz and Mikael Bridges, both top 40 assets. Jalen Brown just outside the top 40. Jalen Johnson just outside the top 50, along with Nick Claxton. Zach Levine, Kyle Kuzma, Jaime Jaquez, Jarris Walker, all top 100. That is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 players 
for Mike in the top 100, all forward eligible. That's it's pretty good. It's pretty, pretty good, really good depth. So Jaron Jackson, obviously the headliner. Franz has some really good potential, as does Mikhail and Jalen Brown on a game-by-game basis. Their ceilings are pretty good. Their floors are also really good. But Jaron, obviously, a bit uh, ahead of their, on the rankings. Um, and the impressive thing about this group is they're all young. Um, on this team, like uh, I, I, I guess Bogdan Bogdanovich, the very last player of Nate, Mike's forward eligibles, um, is the old guy there. But, yeah, the really high-end talent there with Triple J, Franz, Mikhail, and Jalen Brown. Uh, you got the young up-and-comers like Jalen Johnson, like Claxton. Jaime Jaquez has kind of been a bit of a revelation. And then, oh, yeah, there's also Jarace Walker and Cam Whitmore because, you know, if Mike didn't need enough depth, having two pretty talented rookies, I guess Jaquez is also a rookie, so three pretty talented rookies, all with more room to grow, just only makes this embarrassment of riches even better. But sharing this tier is a team who only has four players um, at the four positions who made the cut here, and that is Josh. So Mike has really, really good depth, but when you have Giannis, Anthony Davis, and Kevin Durant all qualifying at the four positions, I I can see an argument for putting Mike over Josh, but it's when when Giannis outranks Triple J and when AD and KD both outrank Mike's second best, even though Mike has the depth, I think Josh's high end is just it's it's close. It's a flip of a coin, but I would have Josh just ahead there. We talked about what Giannis can do. We talked about what uh, Anthony Davis can do last episode. So obviously Durant, um, he's getting up there. He's maybe not as explosive as he once was in terms of his scoring outbursts, but he puts up pretty good stock numbers for someone who is known as a scorer. Um, he rebounds decently well. He's a bit of a good, he's a bit of a, he's a pretty good playmaker for the position too. So the assists are a net positive there for him. And the percentages are also really good. He's maybe the most efficient offensive player on a high volume that we've seen maybe ever. That's, you know, a bold statement for someone my age, I guess. But at least in my lifetime, I don't know if there's been a player who takes the volume that he does with more efficiency. So, it's hard to argue against. And then we get to Tier 1, where we have three teams. The third best forward situation in the league is Alex. Headlined by Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, Paul George, and Jimmy Butler. Jason Tatum is a top 10 asset. This is the best player we have talked about so far per my list. Devin Booker is just outside the top 10. So when you have two top 15 assets, I think that's good enough to be in tier one for sure. And then behind Tatum and Booker, two guys who are both very young and very productive, very, very good scorers. You have Paul George, who is brings that veteran presence, a bit more of a well-rounded game. Can still score, but he's probably you know, there for his overall value at this point. Jimmy Butler, another very good all-around player. Then you have the depth there in Chris Middleton, Zach Collins, Aaron Gordon, and Obi Toppin. So Alex marries high-end talent with strong depth very well. (sighs) 
I guess to you know spend a little more time on this because I didn't really go into depth with any of his players. Obviously, you know we have all seen what what Tatum and Booker um, can do. Obviously, the efficiency kind of you know it fluctuates a little bit game to game, but both of them can score at an incredibly high level. Tatum usually pretty good with uh, with the rebounds too. Booker assists pretty well, so there's a lot of a lot of balance here, and I think that's very key with Alex's team and why he's been so dominant for so long is that there's just really good balance, and outside of turnovers for the most part, um, it it's kind of hard to really look at a category against Alex and think. Now, here's my path to victory against him because he just covers everything so well. And I think this four group is a very good example of that. However, I did find two teams slightly better, uh, one of them being Kevin, because all of his really talented young centers happen to have forward eligibility too. So same thing we talked about last episode with Chet and with Mobley, a top seven asset, a top 20 asset. So while that's pretty comparable, to Alex with Tatum and Booker. Um, Jalen Williams and Brandon Miller and Shaden Sharp all rank better than Paul George. So I think that's just enough to put Kevin slightly ahead of Alex here because all these guys are young. Those top five, like I mentioned, Chet Mobley, Jalen, Brandon Miller, and Shaden Sharp, all those guys are under the age of, what, like 24? I'd forget how old Mobley is. I don't remember how long he was in college for, but... They're no older than 23 or 24, anyone in that group. So they've all got youth. They've all got incredible upside. We all seen what Chet can do. We know what Mobley brings. Jalen Williams obviously has that kind of very good, well-rounded game. Brandon Miller, pretty good shooter. He obviously has a lot of development to do on consistency in the rest of his game. And then Shaden Sharp, obviously, an incredibly athletic prospect. I think you could probably still consider him a bit of a prospect, even though this is his second year, um, because there was just hardly any basketball played in his draft year. And even then, I think he's had a couple injuries since he turned pro. But there's a lot to bank on there, I think. And then, oh, but, oh yeah, behind those guys, there's John Collins, Benedict Mathurin, and Keldon Johnson. Yeah, that's that's really, really good. However... It is not quite good enough to be number one. Another water break, sorry. That's because number one is going to be Sean. Because, spoiler alert, Wembenyama also has power forward, so he qualifies for both. And when you have the best dynasty asset, and oh, by the way, he also has Anthony Edwards, who qualifies as small forward, who is a top ten. So this is the only team that has two top tens, and one of those two top tens is the number one. So, yeah, that alone is going to put him in the top tier. But what he also has is Keegan Murray and Bilal Koulibaly, who are both top 100 assets. Daniel Gafford, Aaron Neesmith, Draymond Green, and then a handful of other names outside the top 150 also. But it's it's the headline of Wembenyama and Anthony Edwards doing most of the work. A uh, young player like Keegan Murray and Bilal Koulibaly. Um, Wemby, Murray, and Koulibaly, all three of them are not on Sean's roster at the moment. But the fact that Sean could call all three of them up next year, um, yeah, that uh, <laughs> that just shows how how quickly Sean's team can flip the switch. And I think we're really 
really going to see that here very soon. No longer is the fool going to be um, the laughing stock of the league. And if anything, that just is, serves as a good reminder that I should probably get Sean on the podcast here um, at some point in the near-ish future because between his basketball team and his football team, there is plenty of fun things to talk about in the world of Sean, really. So, yeah, kind of hard to, to top Sean there, but I think Sean, Calvin, and Alex is a pretty good tier. And, uh, yeah, that's what I have uh, for, for forwards for you. Once again, feel free to direct any criticism to Mike's DMs, please. Um, but as always, feel free to talk about us in the chat. I think it's kind of fun to get engagement in. Um, let's be honest, I'm not doing this because I'm curious. I'm doing this because I think it's fun for the league. So, hope you all enjoyed it, and I will catch you all for the next episode, The Guards. <laughs>